Well, I've been married as of November this year, 16 years, or will it be our 17th year? I can't remember. 16. It'll be 16 as of November 21st. Okay. Um, you know, when it's that amazing, you just get swept up in how, and, and, and you forget sometimes, you know, when it's that amazing. So, um, I, re- I remember our wedding day uh, like it was yesterday. Um, we were very busy people, so we got married when um, I was going to Citrus College at the time, and we got married on our, on our uh, Thanksgiving break. And uh, we were at my uncle's church, um, CMA Church in Glendora. And I just, I remember it because um, I'm, a, I'm a very emotional, well, you guys don't have to hear me very long to know that I'm a really emotional, dramatic guy. Okay, I just am. I cry all the time. I'm a big baby. All right? My wife likes to watch uh, chick flicks, quote unquote, sometimes, and I'm the one crying. You know what I mean? Like, I'm the one that's, oh, he left her? <laughs> and I'm crying, you know? Um, I, I just do it. So, uh, anyway, we, we, it was the big day, and we, Kim and I had known each other for so long. I had met her when I was 11 years old. She was the next-door neighbor that used to babysit my cousins when I was over there. So, no, she did not babysit me. She babysat my cousins. She likes to say that she babysat me, um, <laughs> but she didn't. And, um, uh, yeah, which is another story. Anyway, and, um, you know, we just, we, knew we were best friends, and we had known each other for years and years and years. And when I had um, gone off and done my prodigal thing and just got, walked away from the Lord, she had continued to pray for me and just work in the church as, as a youth intern. And when I came back, I mean, we just fell in love all over again. And and because um, we'd never really stopped loving each other, just as people. And anyway, so that wedding day was awesome. And I just remember because... Um, I was standing up there, and you know, the, the weddings, I don't know, maybe I'm, a, maybe I'm a different guy, but for me, weddings are like, hey, it's a wedding, great. Um, for women, it's a big deal, you know, like, like I don't know, I, I mean, I'm not saying my wedding wasn't a big deal, but the actual ceremony, I didn't care, I didn't care what, you know, what place settings or whatever this or whatever that, you know, um, that, that wasn't a huge deal. I, I just cared more about, right on, I'm going to be there, we're going to get done, and then we're going to go to our honeymoon, which I really cared about. Um, because I'm a guy, and that's just what it's, it's the truth. So I was excited about that, but it, it wasn't, you know, something I'd really, I didn't plan a lot in the wedding. But I just remember being there, and I just got so caught up because there was like 300 people from our church, from our family, just sitting in there, and and I thought I was good, I thought I was composed, and then all of a sudden, you know, the, the wedding processional plays, and she comes in, and she's as beautiful as always, and starts walking down, and I start bawling like a baby. You know, my wife's like, oh my gosh, here he goes. You know, and, she, and I'm just bawling, and everyone's like, look, he's crying. And I'm like, it's not that big of a deal, I cry all the time. But, um, you know, and, and it's just, but it was awesome. Because at that point, um, you know, I was only 21, but I had lived a long time. I had lived a long, uh, a hard, just difficult life. And um, I, I, just, I just remember at that point, at that time here, we were two people who were going to become one. And, and, and no longer was I going to be plagued with just being alone, quote-unquote. You know, I, I, I would forever wake up next to, as long as the Lord allowed, this person. Um, and so I, it wouldn't be just me, it was us. And we were becoming one. And, and what's so cool about the book of Leviticus and what we've been going through is we've been looking at holding nothing back is we see a God that says... I want, I want you to draw near to me because I come near and I draw near to you first. I'm going to make a way. I'm holding nothing back to get to you. 
And, and, and that's because I love you. And I want to be married to you. Very much so in the Old Testament. The prophets continue to say, Israel, Judah, you've walked away from your first love. You've left the marriage covenant of God. And in the New Testament, we have this beautiful image where Jesus comes out and says, I am the groom. And I'm doing everything for my bride, the church. And you have the, basically just the plight of all mankind who looks up to the heavens and says, why am I here? I mean, it's the number one theological, philosophical, you name it, question of the universe. Every anthropological culture that's been studied has looked up to the heavens and said, what, who, where, why? And, and we have a God in the book of Leviticus that never changes and comes to us in the New Testament and says, you're here to be my bride. You weren't made to be alone. You were made to be with me, the Creator. And that's what we see. Because He held nothing back to get this, to come to us, and now He calls us to hold nothing back and walk and run with Him. The, bride, the groom, as we are the bride. And so I just want to remind you really quick as we've been going through this, Jesus came holding nothing back, becoming an offering for us so that we might be complete in God, having a relationship with the Creator. Again, Ephesians 5.2, we see that Jesus fulfilled the burnt offering. 1 Corinthians 15.20 says that He fulfilled the grain offering that we see in Leviticus chapter 2. Um, the Romans 5.1 says Jesus fulfilled the peace offering. 2 Corinthians 5, Paul says that Jesus fulfilled the sin offering. Romans 4 is the guilt offering that Jesus fulfilled. And ultimately in Hebrews chapter 4, we see that Jesus is the perfect high priest. All the things that we've been looking at and how they fit together. You couldn't do this, by the way. I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes I hear things and I see things and I go, God, do you really, do you really exist? Oh, maybe I'm the only one. <laughs> maybe I'm the only one that sometimes sees things in life and says, I hope you're out there. I hope you're real. But I'm just telling you that because I'm a human being and I, I struggle. But then I go back to the scriptures and I see how God perfectly set things together in ancient manuscripts that couldn't have been worked on um, prior to and, and when we see and how they marry together in the New Testament and all these amazing miracles, all these amazing truths that come out of it. And I go, there has to be a God that loves me because I see it. And then when I follow him, I experience it. And so we see this through Jesus. And so the take-home truth that I want to look at today as we look at the book of Leviticus, chapter 9, is this. Holding nothing back means we reveal God in our life, which then consumes the sin inside us, and true joy flows out from us. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to stand as we read the book of Leviticus, chapter 9, Because what we're going to see in Leviticus chapter 9 is we're going to see these millions of Jewish people that have been waiting and waiting and waiting for God's presence. And this is the wedding day. This is the wedding day. Leviticus takes a turn here. And this is the awesome part where we actually stop hearing about what is to be done and now we see what they did and what God was going to do. So let's go ahead and pray and read this. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the truth that you've given us. We thank you for the word which is true. The word which ultimately is your son, Jesus Christ. And you've said that your word goes out and it does not come back empty. 
You are continually wooing. You are continually drawing near to all people, all men, all women. And you're coming to us and you say you want us. You want to be in a relationship with us. Thank you. So we want to look at your word today and see it for what it is. Your loving truth to each and every single one of us in the midst of our circumstances today. We thank you in Jesus' name. All right, now this is a big one, so hope you got your good shoes on. Here we go. On the eighth day, Moses summoned Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel. He said to Aaron, take a bull, calf, for your sin offering and ram for your burnt offering, both without defect, and present them to the Lord. Then say to the Israelites, take a male goat for a sin offering, a calf and a lamb, both a year old without defect, for a burnt offering, and an ox and a ram for a fellowship offering to sacrifice before the Lord. You see this? All the offerings we've been going through in the last couple of weeks and last month or so are now coming to, they're going to do it. This is the whole setup. And so he says, take all this, sacrifice before the Lord, together with a grain offering mixed with olive oil. Why? For today the Lord will appear to you. Today the Lord is going to show up. The wedding day. Now, verse 5 says this, they took the things Moses commanded to the front of the tent of meeting, and an entire assembly came near and stood before the Lord. Then Moses said, This is what the Lord has commanded you to do, so that the glory of the Lord, the Shekinah glory, may appear to you. Moses said to Aaron, Come to the altar and sacrifice your sin offering and your burnt offering and make atonement for yourself and the people. Sacrifice the offering that is for the people and make atonement for them as the Lord commanded. So Aaron came to the altar and slaughtered the calf as a sin offering for himself. Now his sons brought the blood to him and he dipped his finger into the blood and put it on the horns of the altar. The rest of the blood he poured out at the base of the altar. On the altar he burned the fat and the kidneys and the long lobe of the liver from the sin offering as the Lord commanded Moses. That's barbecue baby right there. Think of the smell. That was hundreds if not thousands of pounds of meat. It just, oh. So his sons handed him the blood and he splashed it, right? He then washed the internal organs and the legs and burned them on the top of the burnt offering on the altar. Aaron then brought the offering that was for the people. He took the goat for the people's sin offering and slaughtered it and offered it for a sin offering as he did with the first one. He brought the burnt offering and offered it in the prescribed way. He also brought the grain offering, took a handful of it and burned it on the altar in addition to the morning's burnt offering. He slaughtered the ox and the ram as the fellowship offering for the people. His sons handed him the blood and he splashed it on the sides of the altar. But the fat portion of the ox and the ram, the fat tail, the layer of fat, the kidneys and the long lobe of the liver, they laid on the breasts and then Aaron burned the fat on the altar. Aaron waved the breasts and the right thigh before the Lord as a wave offering, as Moses commanded. Then Aaron lifted his hands towards the people and blessed them. And having sacrificed the sin offering... The burnt offering and the fellowship offering, he stepped down. And Moses and Aaron then went into the tent of meeting. They came out, they blessed the people, and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted for joy and fell face down. All right, you may be seated. This is the day they've all been waiting for. I know it's a lot, and there's a lot going on, but a lot of this, if you've been following us, a lot of these offerings that have been done and everything that's been happening, I mean, this is all the stuff that that God has been showing His people. This is how I want you to draw near to me. And really, there's not much difference today except for the fact that He says, here's my son. This is how you draw near to me. 
Because we all get it in our head and our minds like, okay, I want to go near to God and I think I do it by doing good works or I think I do it because I follow my family into this church or I think I do it by... And we have a lot of ideas, don't we? But the truth is, God says in His infinite wisdom, He says, I've made a way for you. I've given you Jesus. And all who are weary, come to me. And I will give you rest. So the day starts off with Aaron doing all this stuff. And by the way, if we remember anything about Aaron, we know he's not perfect. He's the high priest that God had set aside. And, and we know that Aaron's not perfect. Let me, let me give you a little bit of history really quick. A, because I love history. And B, if you want, don't like it, I don't care. Um, but I, think, I think history is important. I, I do care. I'll, I'll put it in my... Um, in my file box, which is the trash can if you want to email me that you don't like it, but I'm sorry. Um, but I think it's important to remember who Aaron is. You see, Aaron is Moses' brother. And, and the interesting thing is, with Moses, he, he went to Mount Sinai, and he, he, God called him up there for 40 days, and he was giving him the law. He was give, basically, God drew near to Moses to, to give him how to follow him so that his people can walk in such a way that they were meant to walk. So that they don't hurt each other, and they don't hurt the, 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 the neighbors around them, that they can live in such a way that shined his glory. And Aaron was kind of left in charge, you know, he's the babysitter for these 2.5 million or 1.8 million people at that time. So Moses goes up and Aaron's there, and, and all the people were basically coming right out of Egypt where there was a bunch of junk going on, and, and they were like, you know, Moses has been up there for a long time, Aaron. We, we, need, to, we need to do something here. We're getting itchy. We, we don't know if he's coming back. Maybe God struck him down. So, so we need to do something. We need to do something. And you're in charge, so you better, you better do something. And so he says, okay, okay, fine. Well, I'll tell you what. Give me all your gold earrings. Every single one of you that's got gold earrings. Now, the interesting thing is, that as a slave, those were the people that wore the earrings back in that day. So every single one of them was a slave. And so you can imagine, every single one of them brought these huge amount of gold earrings. I mean, we're talking a lot. It says it weighed like 180 pounds worth of gold earrings. I mean, it was a lot of gold. And he took it, and he melted it all together, and he made it into the image of a calf, like, like a cow, you know, like a baby cow. And he puts it up there, and he says, okay, everybody, this is the God that brought you out of Egypt. Worship it. And everybody worshipped it. Now, the interesting word in the Hebrew there is it says that, that word for they worshipped it, it, it it's, it's like, it, it's literally like they, they orgied it. It's gross what they did. Let's just put it that way. They got crazy. I mean, we're talking the party of all parties. That's what they did. That's how they worshipped it. And so you can imagine, here comes Moses after 40 days. He's coming down the mountain, and he's walking down, and he's got the Ten Commandments because God has met him. And the first commandment is, don't put any other gods before me. And he comes down to see all of that partying with this gold god. And he smashes the commandments and he's like, what the heck? <laughs> I leave you for 40 days and this is what you do? Any parent out there, right? I, I go out and I come back to this? <laughs> I can't keep anything nice in this house, right? And so he comes back and Aaron, it's the funniest thing. Aaron does what probably you and I do. He goes, it was their fault. <laughs> it was their fault. They, they, they came to me and they said, and I, and I was scared, Moses, and so I did it. And I put all the things, and out popped this, out popped this calf. No, it didn't. You don't throw something in and out pops a calf. Out pops it, you know, come on. 
He, he had it formed. He did everything. And so basically he blew it. That's the whole point. And the interesting thing is, this is where the presence of God, which had been leading them for, for so long, left. The presence of God left. And so the people who had seen the pillar and seen the, you know, the pillar of fire and the pillar of clouds by day and just as God, they, they, they saw the presence of the Lord physically left that day because they, they went out of their way to ignore God. And it was really a part of what Aaron did. And so now today, we have all these people standing around saying, we're sorry. <laughs> we know what we did was wrong. There's Aaron, totally imperfect. Called to be high priest, not because he was good. And let me just say that, we're not worthy, but we're worth it. Again, I want to emphasize that. Aaron's not picked to be the high priest because he's worthy. He's picked to be the high priest because God chose him. And that's every single one of us. Amen? And so here, God comes to them, and it's that big day. And he says, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. See, the Lord holds nothing back, drawing near to us first. And then he invites us to draw near, holding nothing back. And that's what they did here. They said, we're going to do it like you say. We're going to do it your way, not our way. So, the first blank that I'd have you fill out really quick is this. Remember that in Christ, you are a priest too. And you're not a priest because you're worthy. You're a priest because God invited you. See, when Jesus picks his disciples, he does it in such a way which is really fascinating to me. Um, Every rabbi at that time, for hundreds of years, if you wanted to be a disciple of a rabbi, you petitioned that rabbi. You gave him your resume. You stood out his door. Anybody kung fu fans, old kung fu fans of David Carradine back in the day? Yeah, kung fu flicks. I love kung fu fu, uh, flicks. I love them. I mean, there's something about good kung kung fu flicks that are not in English. I mean, it's or if it's dubbed, it's like, you're going to die. You know what I mean? It's like, I break you. You know what I mean? It's crazy. I love that stuff. Because their karate is awesome and everything. And their kung fu, it's just amazing. And, 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 you know, whenever you see the person wanting to be the disciple of that kung fu master, there's one, I can't remember, I, th- I can't remember what it was. It, it, was a, it was a Jackie Chan one. I think it's Drunken Master. And he sits outside for like days in the rain to prove that he is a worthy disciple of this master. And that's what the Jewish people did. They would petition and they would say, I can do this. And they would get grilled. They would have to, to spout off the whole Torah, the whole Old Testament. They had it memorized, the whole thing. And then they had the commentaries memorized. They had everything set up. And they were like, let me tell you why I should be your disciple. I can do this. I'm worthy. And Jesus bucks the system. I, that's what I love about Jesus. He chooses the disciples. He goes out of his way and says, oh yeah, you fishermen that didn't make the grade, that you started at 13 to take over dad's business because you didn't make it in temple, I want you to follow me. You, Simon, the zealot, the warrior, the one that wants to buck the system with the Romans, follow me. Jesus goes out of his way to pick his priests. Not because they're worthy, but because they're worth it. And so I just want to remind you, if you are a follower of Christ, it's because God went out of his way to choose you. Amen? And he wants to choose more. I love this. Because when we live holding nothing back, we reveal God's presence. 
See, what it says in the, in the book of Leviticus, it says, And when all the people saw it, they shouted for joy and fell face down. See, as the priests did what God called them to do, God showed up. He was revealed and the people experienced Him. See, the married couple that is so busy to the point of exhaustion, I mean, if I were, to, if I were just to say all the schedule that they have or all the to-dos on their calendar, I mean, if you were to pull it up on your iPhone and look at it, you'd be like, how does anybody do this? I would be exhausted. I'm exhausted reading it. And they're becoming more and more distant from each other as well as their marriage, just not, not truly looking like the blessing that it started out to be, that they knew it was. But see, they decide to hold nothing back, even their marriage from the Lord. And instead of taking time for, for those other things, they make time for, to stand in the presence of the Lord. Taking time to glorify Him daily together. Spending time in prayer. And they help each other with the chores. Their chores, not my chores, but maybe her chores or his chores. And they do it with a smile. They stop nitpicking and arguing, but instead they start praising and encouraging. You see, soon God's presence is revealed and when they step out, he steps in to the marriage and reveals his presence. How about the employee at work who is struggling just to get by? And everyone else seems to be playing that game of step on the other person, step on the person in front of you or on the person to the side of you so that you can get ahead game. And they find as they progress, they're still not satisfied. And in fact, they're, they're more distant from the God that's given them everything. And so they decide to hold nothing back, even their job from the Lord. And they spend time before work praying that Jesus would be made known to their co-workers more than themselves. And they spend time doing the jobs that no one wants to do. Those files, those reports, all those things that nobody wants to do, that the boss has to assign. They step up and say, first, I'm going to do those. And everyone looks at them like, what is he smoking? What is she doing? Why is she nuts? Did she lose her mind? Nobody wants to do those reports, but she steps up. He steps up. The bathroom that nobody cleans because janitorial services had to get taken out for a while because of the economy. All of a sudden, it's getting clean. Why is it getting clean? I don't know. And some, one day, another employee comes in and sees that employee cleaning it. Why would they do that? Because as they stepped up, the Lord stepped in and people notice. The neighbor that spends their free time complaining and bashing the other neighbors that live next to him. He's fed up, their dogs barking, the loud noises, and the general disrespect of the neighborhood. And I mean, look at that yard, right? Who does that? And they stew. And the whole time, instead of loving their neighbor, all they can do is think about how they can kind of strangle their neighbor. <laughs> but they decide to hold nothing back. Even their neighbors from the Lord. And they spend time praying for them, not bashing them. They go over to help with the yard and mow the lawn and trim the trees, not because they're trying to earn brownie points, but because they're just trying to love them. Inviting them to the study at, at their home or church and in general, just caring for them and getting to know them as best as possible because God's presence is being revealed as He steps into their marriage and people notice. You see, when we follow God, we reveal Him. I lived long enough to reveal a lot of things, but not God. And it didn't really change anything. Two things I would say to do if you don't believe me. One, go to the local landfill. Go to the dump. 
Take your family. It's a great field trip. <laughs> great field trip. Just sit there. Take in the smell. Mmm, boy. Anybody hungry? No. But look out at that. Look out at all that, and I'm going to say it, crap. That people toiled for. That people blood, sweat, and tears for. And remember, eventually, where it goes. Then the next field trip, go to the, go to the cemetery. And just look at the graves. The older, the better. You get into there about 1960s, 1950s. You know what? Let me tell you something sad. Nobody really remembers them anymore. Nobody does. Even the famous people that were so important at the time. If I were to tell you, how about Fatty Arbuckle? The best Hollywood star in 1920s. You guys would be like, who? Fatty Arbuckle is so important. So important. See, the truth is, Time is fleeting. And we can reveal ourselves in great for you, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, it'll be covered in dust. Who will you reveal? My hope is that a priest, as a priest, you will reveal God. And that will be all the difference. Now, when we do this, when we live holding nothing back, He consumes I love that word. See, in verse 24 it says, Fire came out of the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions on the altar. Such a, God loves barbecue. Amen? Can I just get an amen for that? Anybody out like love barbecue? I can't barbecue for the life of me. I know. You're like, you're a man. Eh, yeah, but I can't barbecue. <laughs> As, I think it's a criteria. Whenever you see three guys get together next to a barbecue, they're all sitting there like, you need to turn that. You know what I mean? Everybody's got it. They're just, they're, they know barbecue. And they're, mm, yeah, mm, boy. What'd, what'd you put on there? What, what's the rub you put on there, huh? You doing Texas style? What are you doing? What are you doing? How you? You know, God loves barbecue. He starts it out. He consumes the burnt offering. Can I just say that God wants to come? I mean, and this is nasty stuff. You just put the kidneys on the table, put the fat on there, and all that stuff. Right? It's gross. Let's be honest. Go to the butcher. Look at it for a while. All the blood and everything. Anybody know how sausage is made? Once you do, you'll stop eating sausage for a week, and then you'll forget, and then you go back to sausage. <laughs> My, uh, I was telling Sophie over here, who's a, a German exchange student, I said, I, knew, I know a, uh, in my family, um, my cousin married a, a full-blooded German, and, and they have a thing called blood sausage. Ooh, boy. Sausage filled with blood. Mmm, nothing better. Ooh. And yet if you taste it, you're like, that's amazing. The other thing is head cheese. It's not cheese. <laughs> it's all the parts of the head. Sliced together thinly, and it's, but it tastes so good. You see, the truth is, when we give to the Lord and we put it all on the table and He consumes it, there is a barbecue. There is an aroma pleasing to the Lord. This is why Paul says in Romans chapter 12, present your whole life as an offering to the Lord. It'll be pleasing. See, the Lord wants to show up and consume the nastiness we need Him to show up. Amen? He desire, his desire has always been to show up and bring life and consume the dead stuff that smells and take it away. Consume the death. There's this great part uh, in the book of John where, where, where Jesus is, is coming up and John has been baptizing and, and he, he sees Jesus and he says, Behold! The Lamb of God. The offering. The ultimate sacrifice. 
takes away. Iro. Iro is, is an interesting word. It literally means to completely obliterate, to completely consume the sins of the world. Jesus is that sacrifice who laid on that altar and he's consumed for you and for me. See, Jesus came so that he might consume the death in our relationships, to consume the selfishness that we cling to in our jobs, to consume the pride that we hold fast to in our families, and to consume the lust that we have had for things and people that will never truly satisfy us. You see, Jesus came to consume those things in our life. This is why Paul prays. I can't wait to study in the book of Philippians with you, the book of joy. We're going to be starting that in a month or so. And and, and it's awesome. And Paul says, to live as Christ, that's it, to be consumed by Him. See, when we live holding nothing back, He consumes. Third here, when we live holding nothing back, there is joy. There's joy. By the way, this is what's interesting. I don't know, if you're a studier of the Word, you see that this is the first time joy is actually used in Scripture. First time when God's presence consumes and His people have revealed Him, there is joy. Real joy. When we seriously take up the call and hold nothing back. Again, I I referenced Paul. And can I just say that the crazy thing is, here's a man that, he's sitting in prison. He, He was one of those guys you just couldn't, I mean, he had been, tried to have been killed so many times and you just couldn't catch him and finally he's caught and he's sitting there and you think a man who started pretty much almost all the churches in the Old or in the New Testament and all those areas I mean he was a traveler up and down a missionary he constantly went out he made his life about preaching and teaching and all of a sudden he's caught by the authorities and he's sitting in a jail cell in fact he's sitting next to a Praetorian guard who's chained to him 24 hours a day hey can I go pee? okay thanks come on You get it? You talk about being taken away. Being taken out. Of anybody that should not be joyful. Who should start holding back. Because that day stunk. This week was hell. You go through it. And you start saying, Lord, I'm getting a little bitter here. My spouse. My family. I'm chained. But Paul doesn't allow that to happen. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Because when God consumes you and you give it to Him, everything, there's joy. Now I would like to say, okay, so this is what happens. Just like the wedding day and everything, man, and they lived happily ever after. Those are the three, we happily ever after. There you go, three. I'm not, a, I'm not a math major. Those are the three biggest lies in all of mankind, right? <laughs> happily ever after. Cow's butt. <laughs> Doesn't exist. Because if you're like me, you've lived longer than a day and you realize that happily ever after doesn't come. It doesn't happen in this broken world. You see, I was married for the first three years and my wife and I struggled like you wouldn't believe. Part of it, well, mostly of it was me. (laughs) But we both were just messed up people. And we got married and I, I mean, man, I was so excited. But I forgot the wedding day. And I would blow it. And she would blow it. And we would just screw up. 
Because we're human. We're sinners. And that's what the Israelites did. That's what the Old Testament's all about, is just God continuing to come back and say, please, you're going the wrong way. You're going the wrong way. Why did you try to divorce me? I want you back. Again, I want to point you to John chapter 1 as we finish up here. John chapter 1 is awesome because as the Israelites stood there in that tent, they stood there in that tent and they experienced the Lord. He was revealed. He consumed. They had joy. But then they walked a day, a week, a month, and they forgot. In John chapter 1, we have this awesome truth, and I don't want you to forget it, and it's so appropriate that we have the elements here, because I don't want you to forget this. John 1 says, The Word became flesh. The Word became flesh. And made His dwelling among us. That word for dwelling is tabernacle. Actually, if you want it in the complete Greek, it's eskanoi. But the interesting thing about that is it's the same word in the Hebrew of tabernacle is which of, of the place that, that the Israelites gathered on that wedding day. A tent. He pitched a tent. And His glory was revealed. You see, we have a God that goes out of His way to come into your life, to come into my life, and not just say, hey... This is what you need to do. Peace out and walks away. No, he's got a backpack on. He's got his camping gear. And he, he kicks open the door when we... Well, he doesn't kick open the door. Sometimes he needs to, but... You know, we let him in and he comes in and he says, I'm pitching a tent right here and I'm not leaving. And he dwells among us. John goes on to say, We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. That word is the same word used of the Lord consuming the offering that was there that Aaron had set up. It's the same word. It's the Shekinah glory. It's the presence of God. Just boom! And I don't know about you, but I need that in my life. <laughs> I've had a really tough past couple of weeks. Anybody who's ever been audited by the IRS... Tough. <laughs> I, I'm pulling out of my driveway today and there's my cat in the road. <laughs> it's like the icing on the cake. It just comes in waves, doesn't it? And sometimes we sit there and we go, God, do you really, <laughs> do you know what's going on? Do you really have a, a clue? But then the, then the Lord is, because he pitched a tent. He's not leaving, baby. <laughs> He's not leaving. He says, I'm here. Walk with me. Talk with me. And at the end of it, man, I'm just like, God, you're in charge. <laughs> I'm so glad I'm following you. Help me just to reveal your presence. That's all I want to do. Because everything else is crap. As Paul says in the book of Philippians. Everything else, it's, it's a pile of dung compared to the, the, the presence of knowing Jesus. But just... If you could do me a favor, let's close our eyes, let's bow our heads. This is why God holds nothing back, so He can invite us into this relationship where we hold nothing back. And I know some of you are just like me, and you're holding back. I do it all the time. And maybe it's a place in work. Maybe it's your calendar. Maybe it's in your family. 
Yeah, you know what? That guy hurt me so bad. God has an altar and He says, boldly come before me, holding nothing back. I want to be revealed in your life. I want to consume the nastiness and the sin and bring you joy. My prayer for you is that if you, hey, if you don't know Jesus, He has been calling and calling. Because He wants to love you and know you like you've never been known and loved before. And honestly, it's as simple as opening the door and saying, Come, Lord Jesus, come. I've been revealing myself. And I'm done with myself. <laughs> it hasn't really brought me much. But blood, sweat, and tears. We're all equal at the foot of the cross. And so I challenge you all, if you haven't come to Jesus, come to Him. Secondly, if you like me and you've come to Jesus, but man, that calendar gets in the way, everything gets in the way, and ultimately, <laughs> you just forget the groom. You forget that He's right there wanting to be revealed and consume those things in your life. He held nothing back. Will you? Lord, we just come before you and we thank you. As the ushers are coming forward, we thank you for the fact that we can start with, with our little stuff. But Lord, we, we just want to live a life that, that connects with you, that grows in you and serves. We just want to be disciples. We're all on the path, Lord. If we've, if we've been revealed by Jesus Christ and we know him, we're all on that path and we just... We just want to walk. We want to experience your glory. So Lord, I just pray right now that if there's anybody here that doesn't know you or doesn't is just struggling, Lord, that they would stick around afterwards and we would pray. Because there's nothing better than seeing the Lord and your glory in the midst of our circumstances. And Lord, right now as we just present our offerings to you. We bring our offering. Lord, I pray that it just wouldn't be a side thought. It wouldn't be something we do. And, and right now, I just want to say, if there's new timers here, don't worry about it. You don't need to give us anything. You don't need to give the Lord anything. It, it's, I, we're not asking for everybody just to pitch in because we're God's in trouble. <laughs> God's not in trouble. But let me just say, we have an opportunity in discipleship to present who we are to Jesus Christ with what we have. And we just want to do that today. And so Lord, we just want to give to you what you've called us as an offering. And Lord, we just bless you now and we thank you. Help us as we walk with you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.